What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Bleacher Banter Podcast presented by Bleacher Fan Sports. you got Jones and Sully here uh, giving you a last quick episode before the holidays. Hope everyone's staying happy, healthy, and uh, ready to hang out with family. Um, but let's uh, talk about this uh, fight. Jake Paul putting K- uh, Woodley on the deck on Saturday night. I mean, that was a, a knockout for the ages. If that was... If that, just from a pure aesthetic standpoint, you know, if that was a uh, too real, if that was uh, Ali versus Frazier, that knockout would be one of the most famous pictures in the world. You know, it was just like that. It was just such a classic boxing. You got caught with your hand down KO, you know, um, and Woodley was out cold the second he got hit. I think he, he woke up shortly after hitting the canvas, but I mean, his body went limp for a minute. So, uh, I mean, good, good on Jake Paul. I mean, I didn't, I thought people, there was definitely a group of people that thought he was going to get got in the second fight, uh, based on the results of the first one. But, you know, it clearly wasn't a pretty fight all the way around, but he, he landed a pretty knockout punch, you know, and he's, he's got some power in that right hand. What do you, what were your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I pretty much bet on Jake every time and. I usually people tell me I'm dumb and, you know, he's not a real boxer. And, you know, who who knows how good he is. He really didn't look good in this fight. Um, shouldn't be lost. Woodley didn't look good either. Uh, Woodley took it on two weeks notice. I don't really know. The only way Woodley, I guess, could have won is, like, how it was going. It was really, really ugly. And uh, it was a really ugly, you know, like, where no one was really getting good shots. And... Yeah, I mean, if it were depending on how the last couple of rounds went, which we don't know, but the knockout power is real. We saw it against Nate. We saw it against Ben, um, Askren. Uh, you know, I think it was pretty impressive of Woodley not to get knocked out the first time even. So, um, really, you know, his power is unreal. His power is, is, is absurd. You know, he trains really hard. Um, he's got a good training team. He takes it serious, whether you want to call him a boxer or not. He take he does take it very serious. Um, he's a very not serious person, so people get that confused. But he takes it very serious, and he's really parlayed being a Disney star into a YouTube star, and now into a bit of a boxing star uh, or boxing phenom, whatever you know. I mean, at this point, he's five and zero. Um, I don't think Woodley had again had much of a chance. I mean, Fury obviously backed out with the rib injury or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, good for him. He's, you know, he keeps he keeps winning and keep, he keeps proving the haters wrong. So, you know, I think Le'Veon Bell wants a piece of him. I think that's a great fight for him. I think that's a fight that really uh, he'll do well in again. And he's like, don't fight a real boxer like me. And I, I don't know how Le'Veon Bell's a real boxer at all. But it's... Uh, you know, the, the the thing is, though, when he's fighting, I really want to say if I could pick anyone, I'd pick Nate Diaz. That would be very entertaining. And eventually Conor McGregor. Those would be very entertaining. The thing is, like, people say, we need to fight a boxer. Do you want to know him? May very well be better than him. And it's not entertaining. The storyline of Tyron Woodley and Paul was awesome the first time. The second time, they didn't hate each other. Woodley was getting a bag again. And, you know, it's a free payday for Woodley. Literally, he offered him a 500K bonus. Um, 
they were like, uh, Jake Paul got his whole team Rolexes and then said, it's time for me to knock you out. Like he's still being witty and funny. And, you know, like there's no bad blood. There's really no bad blood at this point. And, um, what a catch by Devontae Smith. Yeah, they were, they were, uh, they were, uh, amicable after the, they showed respect to each other after the fight. And I, um, and I did, and, and I, I think that, you know, the lack of animosity and hate, it seemed to, you know, there didn't seem to be that same fire leading up to it and during it. Um, but, well, there was so much less. Uh, I mean, what he had to come in three weeks before, and and all of a sudden he's fighting you. Yeah, you but know? still, even it still wasn't even like the same intensity though. Like, I mean, Jay came out to the lines. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I want. I hope the thing is though. But there's no there's no storyline. If he fights if fights an amateur boxer and he wins or loses, if he wins, it's like oh maybe he's a real boxer. But still. You know, you need, like, a Le'Veon Bell now. This is, like, a washed up. Le'Veon Bell just signed with the Bucks also, so I guess he's not fighting him. But, you know, like, guys like Nate Diaz, McGregor, Woodley, you know, the people that he can talk shit to. Like, even the Ray Robinson, there was shit talk. Like, you know. So, like, it, it just makes it funnier, especially when you have polarizing people that people hate or dislike. Like, I know there's a bunch of people that love Diaz or hate Diaz. And same with Bell. I'm sure tons of people want to see Le'Veon Bell knocked out. Many in Pittsburgh. So it's just it, it it really makes it funner. So it's like yeah, sure, maybe eventually he fights an amateur boxer and he was gonna and Tommy Fury and then Tommy Fury backed out. So he really did try to do it, but but like you're obviously and with that there's not gonna be as much money if you're fighting some Joe Schmo amateur. You need a name, and that's where Tommy Fury was good because he's got his brother's name. He's been on Love Island, so there's, yeah, he had there's both. recognition. He had both. Yeah, so which is gonna be very rare for an amateur boxer. So I saw know, and uh, then if, uh, if Tommy. No, go ahead. Go ahead. If Tommy Fury lost the fight, he was going to have to change his name to Tommy Fumbles for a year too, which is great. That's hilarious. And then they uh, asked him. They asked him. They asked him if he, uh, if if Tommy was going to get another shot. And he said, "Nope." Tommy fumbled the bag. He had it, and he fumbled. Now he's going to pay sixty dollars to watch me fight, where he could have had a huge payday. So I got to respect the troll job. Oh yeah, he's he's the best at the troll job. I don't I don't think there's anyone better. He's like. It almost reminds you of like Conor McGregor on his prime, like the same type of douchey cockiness, wittiness, uh, and just and just every time he continues to win and prove people wrong, like as much as you hate him, like early to mid Conor McGregor, just like on his game, like cocky as can be, strutting around, like you yeah. Know, I he's feel got like Conor dude. had a he had a lot of haters until he started to get with Floyd in that area. And then once he lost to Floyd, he kind of became like, everyone loves him, you know? Yeah. It was, it was an admirable performance and he really put himself out there and, you know, uh, showed some vulnerability, I think. Cause I mean, everyone knew he's loose to May Mayweather. You just signed up to versus the greatest boxer of all time. Um, so yeah, I, I saw a tweet, uh, yesterday or the day before, uh, after, after the Jake Paul fight that said, uh, it was like Floyd Mayweather in his fourth fight fought this, you know, random guy, you know, whatever. The guy was making his professional boxing debut and the guy only fought four career fights, three more after that. And he ended his career 0-4. So we want to talk about like, you know, oh, Jake Paul's not fighting boxers or whatever. Like, it's not like Floyd's out here fighting Canelo in his fourth fight. You know, no one is. Because you can't no. get that. You're not no. in boxing. You got to have 15, 20 wins under your belt in before you're like considered a, a real threat or a real deal boxer. You know, obviously there's some guys that do it, you know, get in that conversation, you know, the 10, 12, 13 um, 
you know, they're 13 and 0 or something. Like Tiafimo Lopez was kind of like that. I think what is he? He just lost, but he was like 13 or 14 and 0 before he started getting like real like opportunities mm-hmm. against against top guys. Um, so it can be done, but you know, not certainly not in your single digit fights. You know, your your first eight nine fights of your career, you're not fighting anyone that people know the name of. You're on the you're maybe you're on the undercard of something. You're certainly not the main event. Uh, so it was just like kind of a eye opening. You know, it's like no one in the world, like probably most people in the boxing world don't even know who Floyd fought in his fourth fight. And the, it turns out it was a guy making his debut and he only, and he went 0 and four in his career, you know? So yeah. clearly, clearly no, no type of threat, you know, you could, you could argue someone like Conor McGregor is a better boxer than someone like that. Someone who basically fight, you know, is mm-hmm. a, fights four fights and loses all four and whatever. Like, you know, McGregor's not a boxer, but he's a, he's a damn good striker in the UFC. So, you know, it's yeah. not like he's not like he's a, a nobody coming in like he, like a Nate Robinson or yeah. something like Nate Robinson. I get I get, you know, that's a that's a different animal because Nate Robinson is just there's nothing to do with boxing, you know? Um, yeah. And then at least Askren was at least a, a fighter not not a big striker, but he was at least a fighter. And then now you have. Uh, yeah. Woodley twice, who's a better fighter, better striker than Askren, but still not one who's considered top in the UFC in that category. But he has yeah. taken he and then he tried to fight Fury, so he did what he could. He he he's done his best to he's try elevating and, it slowly. Yeah, he, yes, he's, he is he's doing it very smart because he's elevating it very slowly. And I but I think this was the first time where he regressed in a fight though, which is interesting. I don't know why or whatever he didn't look good. Uh, Woodley was certainly more aggressive as well, but you know I thought he well it was hard to judge him honestly, but he, he it was like you know because even he won he didn't look as good as he didn't look as good as previous fights even even the fight against Woodley I don't he, even though this ended in a knockout the other day he didn't look as good I saw the whole ramp it was really ugly you know he didn't use his jab as much which is really good you know he had a couple moments but nothing crazy so. It almost seemed like he regressed a little bit, um, you know, small sample size, five rounds or so. But he he didn't look to be on his game. Maybe it was because the the fire wasn't there. I don't know. I mean, he still got the job done, of course. But I'm just, you know, I hope the train keeps rolling. I want to keep him, see him keep fighting, and you know, I'll keep tuning in because it's entertaining. And um, and he's got that knockout power, so. I think that's definitely what people like to see too. As as bo- like like you know, I'm one of the only people talking about how boring the fight was, because um, it really was. But the knockout saves the night, right? And yeah, and the knock the knockout can save it. And you know, people aren't really talking about how he looked. You know, people are talking about people are talking about that knockout, of course, because it's it's his power is that of a boxer of five to ten years, someone polished. You're knocking out someone with a you're knocking someone out with what at least never been knocked out in the UFC, or or was since 2009 was his last knockout or something like that. Like Woodley's got a chin. Woodley's yeah. a defensive guy. It's and, and you're doing it with gloves on too, and you're like you're doing it with gloves on, right? Like so, um, whatever they were, ten ounce gloves. So extremely impressive, um, like that knockout to knock knock him out. So I'm here for it as long as as long as he's doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Moving on uh, to uh, baseball, the only news that's really happening is uh, your Mets, Sully, made a, a pretty solid hire, great hire in, in a lot of people's opinions, and I know you love it. Uh, Buck Showalter, new manager of the New York Mets. How are we feeling about it? It happened, like, pretty quick, honestly. Like, it was, like, a little slow, but then at the end, it was like, oh, they're, they're interviewing this person, this person, this person, and then it was just like, oh, Buck Showalter is the Met. Like, I came out of nowhere, I feel like. Like, I know they had the yeah. interviews, and they were like, oh, as expected. Well, he had three good candidates. We had a Quantro, whatever his name was, with the Rays, and Joe Espada, the bench coach for, where was it, the Astros or someone? Uh, where was he, the bench coach? I forgot. They were all well-respected, and yeah. like, people think they're going to be good coaches. But, the, the like, it was almost like we didn't have a choice because the two were inexperienced. Our last two managers didn't have head coaching experience. So it was a no-brainer in a sense. That once we got, I knew really once that Buck Showalter was a candidate, that really he was going to be the guy. Um, I was really confident that it was going to be him. I've been asking for him for like, I don't know, two to three years. I, for every, I mean, any any coaching opportunity that's been like Buck Showalter, I think is the answer. Um, I mean, you know, there's there's going to other, you know, Alex Cora was a good bring back from the Red Sox, obviously, and. Uh, Hinch is obviously a very good manager and had a good year with the Tigers. But, you know, I mean, the Mets need stability. The Mets need uh, to be uh, well-coached, well-managed. They need a veteran presence. They need someone that's not going to make these rookie mistakes that we've been seeing. We need someone that's going to handle the bullpen, um, analyze to a T, you know, respect, you know, the players. And I really think that he he gives us everything that, that you want in, in a manager. Um, I think he's really going to lean on some of the veterans in the clubhouse and take their word for it like he did in with Andrew Jones in Baltimore. Um, and, and I really think – I know managers don't really mean as much in baseball, but I think this is a huge, a huge sign for us. I really think – like you signed Scherzer because we – all right, let's be honest. Like Steve Cohen did help sell the culture, but – he said, we'll do anything you want. And I think people are shocked by that because not every man, not, not every ownership says that. Steve ownership says that. Here's my checkbook. I can do anything that you want, pretty much Scherzer. And like, so Scherzer's like, the Mets aren't playing around anymore. And I think this shows like, oh, we're a real competent team now because now we're hiring people in the front office and managers that are actually competent people and not the same toxic women abusers, DUIs, groping. You know, there's still no there's still no official have. GM, right? No, there isn't. There's no official GM, but I'm sure Buck and uh I'm sure Buck will have a big part of it. But but and also Scherzer wanted Buck. Scherzer was Buck was Scherzer's guy. So like that just goes to show like like he's, you know, he's following up with like what he said he would. I would do anything to win. He paid Buck big bucks. I've got it was three years, ten or twelve million, something like. Forgot what it was, but a good amount for a manager. And he got Scherzer's guy. Buck's done, and he's won. Like that's the best signing he could have made for a manager. So, Scherzer's, I'm sure thrilled. I'm sure, I'm sure all the team and a lot of these. We have a decently young team as well. So a lot of these guys probably like look up to Buck like then you know they're like oh he was with the Yankees before they were really good like you know like he's like one of the few like baseball people and baseball legends in the game of like people like wow name someone that knows the game better than Buck Showalter I mean you really can't name many uh, I, I don't know I know Michael K swears by him and says 
like he's like he he is adamant like the Mets will never be out coached in a game. Um, they'll never, and I don't know to the literal sense, but in his yeah, like we're not going to be out coached. Like yeah, things will backfire, of course. Not every move is going to wear out, but we're not yeah, going to be out coached. He said no one spends more time, no one spends more time than, than Buck, and like that's really what we need. We need someone that's dedicated, that knows what he's doing, that is going to get respect from the players, not going to make these rookie errors. And I think gives us like a, you know, a bit of like a, an identity and like a little bit of like, you know, like a toughness, like old school. Like, and that's kind of what I want, a little bit of old school with new school because he loves numbers, Buck does. Um, he's going to go by his gut sometimes and he's also going to go by the by the numbers too. Like, I think he's a good, got a good combination. So I think that, you know, like the Mets kind of like, you know, have a little bit of an identity now. Like, like we're Buck Showalter's Mets, like. Buck Showalter has three years to cement his legacy as an all-time great by winning one with the Mets. Like, he's never done it. You can, you know, give a reason here or there why it has or hasn't happened. He's been a really good manager. Who's, I mean, he made the Orioles into something, and then obviously they went to shit because of terrible contracts and stuff. But, you know, he's turned a lot of teams into, you know, respectable teams. And absolutely, I think the, the Mets now have the personnel for it, and we're going to continue to add – so I think uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm ecstatic for what, what the future holds for the Mets this year, barring a few more signings. Yeah, it should be. I think it's, you know, it's, everyone's kind of put baseball on the back burner, especially with this, you know, normally we're just getting over winter meetings and this, this week, this, this two or three week period always belongs to the NFL and college football and then NBA on Christmas mm-hmm. Day. Um, so it's, it's nice to get a little baseball news, but you know, with the lockout, it's almost like people have forgotten about it. And, you know, kind of after Christmas is when you start to see like early mid January is when you start to see people really sign, you know, big names would start signing if they didn't sign at the winter meetings. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I haven't heard any updates on the, the collective bargaining negotiations, but I can't imagine they're close if we haven't heard anything. Um, so we just got to hope, but I, yeah, I think overall fantastic choice by the Mets, uh, should really it should be a culture culture setter um and i love that stevie yeah. was the one that that tweeted it out too like fuck giving it to a reporter yeah, that, was, that was cool too yeah good for them um but speaking of uh christmas day uh the nba slate uh it's one of my favorite sports days of the year it's one of my favorite days of the year obviously because christmas is awesome um if you celebrate christmas if you don't suggest trying it out um and then you got the NBA, you know, which I think personally is much better than the NFL on Thanksgiving, uh, mainly because the NFL on Thanksgiving is really only an afternoon thing. It's kind of interrupted by the meal um, and the matchups just aren't are never premier matchups. I mean, sure, every year you might get one or two out of the four or five that are on that day, um, but the NBA yeah. is consistently five great matchups or at least very good you know that that seven o'clock one and that there's usually two that are like really really good like you know this year it's nets lakers um and warrior suns but there's oh there's never a bad matchup on on christmas you know so uh, i love the slate this year um what are we thinking uh go through them? i don't really pick against the spread but i mean with so many people players out with covid and stuff it's going to be hard to kind of gauge these games uh you know half the league i feel like it's fucking half the league is replacement players at this point um but what are we thinking you know how how each of these are going to play out we start with the knicks and hawks and and uh 
as the the noon game. I think Trey Young is out, right? With I know he's in protocol. I don't know how the NBA deals with protocol compared to the NFL. Um, they have terms... like their whole they have like their whole team out right now, so I'm gonna give the Knicks the the edge there. But the Knicks do too. The Knicks have the Knicks have so many people out right now. Um, let like I'm talking like six or seven guys out. Really, I see quickly McBride and Rose out. Um, hold on, Obi Toppin's out for sure. RJ's out. I don't know. They got to be coming back soon though. Like. I gotta check if they're they're playing tonight. Uh, okay, yeah. Derek Rose, Miles McBride, Emmanuel Quickly, R.J. Barrett, Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin, Kevin Knox, all out for COVID nineteen. Wow. Um. Yeah, no one. So there. Yeah. So like, even the earliest guys, which are Barrett, Grimes, Toppin, and Knox are December 16th and then Quickly's December 17th and McBride December 18th. Derek Rose entered it today. Or no, he didn't enter. He Rose ankle unavailable for Tuesday's game against the Pistons. So he's not playing tonight, but he's not in COVID protocols. But everyone else is in health and safety protocols. Although it says wow. says says Barrett Grimes Toppin and Knox are out for COVID-19 protocols. But McBride and Quickly are out for health and safety protocols. Does that is that a different designation, or is that a positive what are the test? Two, what what are the two designations? COVID nineteen protocols and health and safety protocols. I think it's the same thing. Uh, that's what I kind of assumed, but maybe COVID nineteen protocols is a positive test, and health and safety is like a they were around people with a positive test. Maybe, I, maybe that's it. That's the only way I could determine if there was like a, di- you know what I mean? That's the only difference I could imagine there being. But again, I don't mm-hmm. really know how that works out in terms of when they can come back. Um, but regardless, the, you know, the Knicks are, Knicks are shorthanded right now and they could be on Christmas. Um, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's at the garden. It's not like they haven't played terror. They played the Celtics hard the other night with similar injuries. Um, they're only down McBride outside of that, which McBride actually had a fantastic game. He looks like the real deal. Uh, I'm not saying yeah, he's he does look good. Then the next fucking John Stockton, but he, he, he can do it. He's fantastic defensively. I think he had four steals played a terrific off the ball defense. Uh, and he was efficient. I think he had 15 points, nine assists, four steals, a few rebounds. He can hit the three. He can get to the basket. Uh, I mean, he really does everything well you know he's not fantastic at anything but he does everything well and he's super athletic yeah. um i really like mcbride i hope he i hope this this stint gives him a chance to get some more minutes and grimes grimes is another one he got his first start uh the day before he tested positive and he had 26 and 7 or something like that you know his first nba start he crushed yeah. it so I'm hoping that this kind of turns into something more for these guys. Um, you know, just poor timing on the the on the timing of their uh, positive tests. But you got it, it was encouraging um, to see to see them the yeah. first time really get a chance and what they turned it into. Um, they don't have a line for it listed on ESPN right now, but they have the Knicks as a 55 percent chance of winner on their you know their power index predictor. Um, yeah. so it'd, be, it'd be nice to get a win on Christmas for a change. I'm used to wa- waking up on Christmas 
you know, opening presents or whatever, spending some time with the family, eating breakfast, and then, boom, watch the Knicks get their dick kicked in by 40, by, you know, insert any opponent the yeah. last, like, 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. So that'll be that'll be fun. I, I actually, what's the next game on the slate here? Um, what is it? it the Celtics-Bucks, I believe? Is that is that it? Yeah, I mean, I don't really care for that game much. To be honest, yeah, it's not going to be an exciting one. Both of those teams have kind of just been really not exciting this year in general. Um, yeah, the Bucks were very hurt for a while, so yeah, because Middleton was out for like first quarter of the season, right? Yeah, and so was Giannis for a while. Well, no, not Middleton, Drew, and Giannis missed time too. Yeah, so um, yeah, that's kind of like the. I feel like that's the lull game. You know, people kind of. Yeah. Lo- watch it in the background while they're kind of doing things, you know, hanging out with family yeah. or whatever. Um, and then you got, but then the, the five o'clock game is the Suns Warriors, right? Yeah. I'm going to take five, some yeah. bookers back. I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to pool my pools out. It seems I'm going to, and Wiggins is out. I'm going to take the Suns in that one. I wonder what Curry, uh, like how Curry does on Christmas day. I I thought I remember him being not great on Christmas days in the past. Yeah, I don't think he's been great. A lot of big moments actually hasn't been like in the finals. He's been very eh. Yeah, I know. agree. I agree. It's like a. It's kind of a. It's like everyone loves Curry so much you can't like criticize him. You know, Be critical. Yeah, and it's just like it's like the boogeyman in the room. It's like well, he's not. Uh, he was the the most recent finals that they won, he was really good. Like people thought he should have won the MVP over Durant. And yeah, but before that he was like, not only like not impressive, he was, he was like flat out bad. Yeah. Didn't he average like 16 points a game for one finals or something like that, that they won. Maybe the first one with Durant. It's like maybe it was like eight, maybe it was like 18 or something. Yeah. It was, it, I remember being, it being really unimpressive compared to what he normally does. Um, but yeah, I mean, if Booker's back, that could be a good spot. It's in Phoenix. Um, you know, Pete, they might get a little, uh, lackadaisical with the, I'm sad. We're not going to get clay though on, uh, on Christmas. I thought that was a possibility coming into the year. That would have been nice, but now yeah, it's looking too. like, looking like mid, mid January for him. I mean, they're so good that like, mm-hmm. you don't even need to worry about bringing clay back. If they, if the warriors were, you know, four or five games over 500 and, and, you know, hanging on to the sixth or seventh seed. Um, maybe you'd see them be a little more diligent about bringing clay back sooner, but I mean, they're dominating people. They're number one, the best team in the league right now. Right. I don't know. Phoenix, Phoenix is 24 and five. Damn. I didn't realize that they were that good. I knew they wanted to run, but I didn't realize they were that good. Golden state's 25 and six. They only lost the one game. Phoenix lost the one game, or they lost two games. One game to the uh, Warriors without Booker, and then there was another game. I'm not oh, sure so, the other game. Wait, they twenty-four lost. and five is a better winning percentage, right? Than twenty-five and six. Yeah, it is. So yeah, the Phoenix, uh, Sun- yeah the Suns are slightly ahead of the Warriors in the standings. Yeah, they're percentage yeah. points ahead. Um, yeah, yeah. So that that's a, I mean, that that's a pretty premier matchup. The first two seeds in the week, uh, NBA's got to be happy about that. You know, you're not. Yeah, definitely. That's what they thought they were getting with the Lakers and Nets, but I guess not. 
And now we got the question Lakers, is, yeah. will Kyrie play in, like, or no, because he tested positive, right? Or it was health and safety protocol, so I don't know if he'll be back by then. He could be back by then. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I know the NFL is like if you, if you're not vaccinated, it's ten days, no matter what. Like you could test negative fifty times, yeah, well, you're still out ten well, days. Well, when when did he when did when did he come back? That was like. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I think it was only like two or three days ago that he tested positive. Um, hold on. I, well, sent, I don't think he ever tested. Or well, it, it two or three days ago he entered health and safety protocols. Um, it was more than that. Saturday. Saturday. After, Saturday afternoon, Shams tweeted, Net star Kyrie Irving has entered COVID-19 health and safety protocols. So that would only be eight days, so then he's not going to be back. Yeah, assuming they do the 10-day thing like the NBA. Yeah. yeah. And assuming he tested positive. Maybe there's like, because there wasn't much, maybe it's just like because he's coming back, he automatically went into it or something. I don't know. but Yeah, maybe. You know, it would be nice to see Kyrie... It would be good for the NBA to have Kyrie there on Christmas Day. Um, but anyway, I mean, we'll get a Nets-Lakers. I mean, the Lakers aren't exactly lighting it up this year. It's 16-15, and 15, uh, currently the seven seed, half a game better than the Minnesota Timberwolves. Not not great at all. Not great at all. Uh, Memphis but is that, having and themselves and the, a nice little season, 19-13 and 13 without Ja Morant for most of the without, year. Without Ja. Yeah. Bain, Bain is killing it. Jaron Jackson's been coming up big for them as well. Yeah, good for them. Good they're for well, them. they're well coached. I always root for Memphis. Yeah, I, ever I, since I ever them. even before Fizdale, even I always liked them with Gasol and Randolph. I always liked them. Yeah, well, Fizdale ruined them. Fizdale, but I guess Fizdale got them there. Got them John Morant. At the end of the day. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And then the late game is uh, Utah versus uh, Denver or Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. Utah is gonna stomp. Utah, Utah will stomp them. Yeah, Dallas. Do you read that uh, article ESPN put out about uh, Rick Carlisle's like last year in Dallas? How like of much of a shit show it was behind the scenes? No, I didn't. Uh, He said that like basically like Luca like had no respect for him, and it was just because he. What did he do? He oh, Luca was super close with Dennis Smith Jr. and then they like traded Dennis Smith, and then there was someone else like someone else he was close with that they traded or released, and then he didn't like how he treated Porzingis or like shoved Porzingis down his throat, and then he didn't get along with Porzingis for a while, and then that apparently is mended. But like there was all these like things about oh the JJ Barea was another one they they got rid of that Luca like loved the whole locker room loved. Um, so that kind of JJ Brea was like acting as like the, the kind of the wall between the players and, and, uh, and Carlisle and also, uh, Jamal Mosley, uh, the guy who went to coach the Maverick, uh, magic. He, uh, he was apparently huge in that locker room in terms of like, he was kind of like the bridge between the coaching staff and the players, very high character guy, well-respected by the players. And, uh, his loss was like a big thing on why Carlisle left and, I don't know. Basically, they, Carlisle said, like, I, you know, I wa- it wasn't a firing. It, like, I, I legitimately could have come back, but, you know, he's, it's one of those things where, like, I wasn't going to get an extension. So, it was, and he knew, obviously knew yeah. there, was, there was rift there. So, he, he probably had his agent put out feelers to teams who were looking at coaches. And 
Indiana's a familiar place. You know, it wasn't the expectations couldn't have been high in Indiana. They they're about to tear it down. They need to mm-hmm. if they if they aren't. Um, so I may, may I think he made a calculated move. You know, it's it's hard to coach anywhere for that long in the NBA. I think he was there 11, 12 years, uh, thirteen years or something. So, you know, it's still a, a great tenure. I mean, I'm sure Dallas is very happy. I'm sure it's not a terrible relationship. You know, I'm, that they hate each other. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's just time to move on. You know, and I think. They did yeah. it about as well as you could, but it, it was certainly not um, peaches and, and cream the last year in Dallas. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Definitely wasn't smooth then. No, and I mean it's not like they're doing well this year. I, 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 I'm fine yeah. with them doing well this year. Next year, I hope they win about seven or eight games because we own that first round pick. Um, so I'll take that that lottery pick next year from them when they don't make the playoffs. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, I think, I think I'm with you there. Utah is gonna, gonna take over. Um, do you want to run through our, our picks quick for, uh, NFL week, uh, 16? Or, um, so my picks are going to be, uh, I'm going to take the, uh, Colts, uh, plus one against the Cardinals, the Cardinals, the wheels are falling off. They're missing Hopkins. Could it be a comeback spot? Possibly, but uh, Colts are one of my uh, favorite teams. I'm very high on the Colts. Uh, I think they're right there with the Patriots. I know they beat them. They were at home. Um, Right there with the Patriots and the Chiefs at the top, the AFC. Um, I think significantly above every other team, to be honest. The Bills and the Ravens. um, Second... Uh, second game I like. Uh, I'm gonna take the Jets minus two and a half against the Jaguars. Um, this Jaguars team, uh, I know I like them, and everyone liked them against the Texans, and they lost after the coaches fire, which never happens. Um, it's not gonna be a quick fix. Clearly, I guess um, they're a bad team. They have a bad line. Their defense looked terrible against the Texans. Um, you know, the Jets, Wilson quietly is putting together solid halves, and he's not, he, no turnovers, two straight games. He's not lighting the scoreboard up, but he's uh, being a part of the offense, uh, not going crazy downfield. I actually like how he's played the last two games. I think he's had a running touchdown in each, and he's uh, hasn't turned it over. So, he, you know, that's the ball, and, and, you know, minus two and a half. And the third one. I'm going to take is the Pats minus two and a half against the Bills. I think the Pats are so much better than the Bills. The Bills just, they blow out these terrible teams. And then when they verse a legit team like the Colts or the Pats or I forgot another team, um, the Titans, then they just get the doors blown off. Um, I think the Bills are frauds. I really think the Bills are frauds. And, uh, Pats at home. I think the bounce back game. Belichick against Allen again. He owns Allen. Those are my three. And then over under, we are going to go with the Broncos and Raiders. Uh, the under of forty one and a half. Going low on a low low total. I love it. I mean, I mean, yeah. There's a lot of low low unders this week on low numbers. So. Yeah, uh, those are my picks. All right. Well, um, I'm still breathing, and so is Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going with Packers minus seven. 
Um, I know that the Browns kind of played it tough, but I'm not real confident in a team with 106 players coming back off COVID, even if they do come back. Um, plus the Packers are at Lambeau and that fan base is fired the fuck up. And so is that team. Uh, they're, they're playing like the best team in the NFL right now. So uh, I'm going to get them to keep it rolling and uh, might be a little bit of an unpopular opinion, but I'm getting, I'm taking Tampa in a fuck you comeback win. Um, minus 10 and a half. I know it's a terrible number on the road. It's got trap game written all over it. They looked awful last week, but it's the Panthers. I'm not confident the Panthers are going to put up too many points. And I think the Pats could win. I think the Pats could cover this score in three touchdowns. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this game was 21 to six, you know, something like that, or 24, 10, some, you know, something around that, those lines. Wait, who did you, who did you take? The Bucks minus 10 and a half. Oh, oh, I thought you said the Pats. No, no, no. Bucks minus 10 and a half. Um, and then my last one is I'm going to go against the Chargers this week. I know the Texans kind of are fickle and they are great one week, terrible one week, and they're coming off a game against the Jags, but I feel like every time we think the Chargers are going to cover and they should cover, they get they don't cover, you know. Um, and for yeah. this game to be under ten with the Chargers coming off last week, uh, it's it just seems like that's not enough. Uh, I think Houston will hang with them. I don't expect them to win the game, but I think they'll they'll make it interesting. And then last, I'm going to go over forty four in Forty Niners Titans. Fun fact: the second half of the season, highest rated quarterback in the NFL. Jimmy Garoppolo. Bet you didn't know that. Wow. Um, no. Yeah, weeks weeks eight and on, Jimmy Garoppolo has been the highest rated quarterback in the NFL. So their if their offense is clicking and their defense is starting to come around, I, I mean, I, I like the Niners in this game in general. And three and a half on the road, it's also got trap game written all over. It's why I didn't touch the spread. But I mean, I, I, over forty four and a half, I like the Niners to get some points up here, and and I don't you know I don't think. I don't think the Titans will get dudded out either. So I, I like that number for over 44 and a half and Niners Titans um, riding that Jimmy G wave. So Packers minus seven bucks minus 10 and a half Texans plus nine and a half Niners Titans over 44 and a half. Nice. Those are the picks. Um, yeah, but I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, ladies and gents, thank you for listening. Thank you for stopping by as always. Be sure to check us out on all the socials, Bleacher fan, Bleacher banter, uh, find us anywhere. Um, and we will be back next week. Everyone have a happy and healthy, safe holidays. And uh, we will hopefully see you before the new year.